You're starting, aren't you? I am. Well, I'm gonna. Yeah. We're gonna say hello yeah. first, like <laughs> normal. But hello, everybody, and Doc is here. Alan's here. Alan's in San Diego. Doc is in Charlotte. Um, Faye is here. Amy Lynn and Amy Lyons and my mom and John Ingalls. So and Maura McDonald. So I'm glad everybody's here. Thank you. Some of you guys got to see this. Many of you got to see this already um, live. Uh, so then now we, when Doc says sup friends, I'm thinking it's sup, super no? friends. No, I think it's like super friends. That's just um, like a shortened sup. Yeah. The sup. super friends. That's it. Super friends. <laughs> right. Um, we do have to have all the Amy's, the other, uh, Amy, Amy and Alan, ha- Alan has, as I said, yeah. was here too. Okay. So I'm Paul's here <clears throat> in Minneapolis. Okay. So this is part two. It is the extended version, if you are wondering. Um, it's the Criterion <laughs> version, if you buy Blu-rays. <laughs> right. Okay, so we're going to get started. Um, I've got a cough again, <clears throat> but I'm already recording. Oh, well, sucks for anybody listening. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and start our share. Unless, Dave, you have anything you want to... Um, no, you ready? I've- I have nothing to add. Let's get through this because okay. we we went way over last time, and we got to keep got to keep on the straight and narrow. Okay, and we got some other people joining us. It's good to see y'all. Okay, here we go. So the our talk was the secret to being a super friend. We had eight points, right? There were eight yeah. points to our thing, and um, the fifth point was you need to be approachable. So we're just diving right in. If you're watching from the last one, you can just scoot through whatever however many minutes this is 14 minutes maybe not 14 i don't know okay here we go um i think you need to be approachable and what that means is how how can you be approachable well i think most everybody probably has always felt a little awkward so especially when you're out with other people or online like this maybe you feel awkward but the more you do it the better the better you get i think the better it'll feel. But how many of you guys in the chat or you're thinking um, you want to comment in the comments, wherever, um, how many have you ever, ever felt out of place when you're at an event, uh, when you're at a conference or you're at like a networking, like it feels like everybody's got their stuff together, but maybe <laughs> Amy says pretty much all the time, Dave, hmm. right. That was um, yeah. Right. It, and for, why? Think about why you feel out of place. What's the thing that's making you feel not connected? Well, and and well. if you look around, lots of people are just when there's other people, they will just will just revert to looking at our phone, right? Totally. And Abra, it's so good to see you. Okay, she's in North Carolina too. Okay, so I just think we have to be willing to be awkward and be because you may be being like, I'm just going to look at my phone. I'm just going to look at my phone. But really, um, you have to be the one that goes up and maybe says something to someone or be, or says something like, man, I am, I, I must not have gotten the memo to wear all black or whatever it is. You know, when we're sometimes with a lot of art things, it's everybody's in all black and I wore pink or something, you know, <clears throat> Doc says awkward is his middle name. So, <laughs> there, but sometimes it's, Everybody kind of is feeling that way. You just need to be able to go up to people. And I think that it's better if you're not trying to pretend and be somebody else. Like if you are a fleece wearing jacket 
person like me, then you should just be a fleece wearing jacket person. No, try. I know my sister's like tried to put me in like a jacket jacket. She's like, this will look nicer with that dress or whatever. And I'm like, oh, I think my fleece looks fine with the dress. I think I'm going to stick with this. You just have to be you because when you start putting on things or you start trying to be somebody else, there's not enough room in their bucket for you to try to be like them. And there's not enough room in your bucket for anybody to try to be like you. Right, Dave? Absolutely. So I, I also think that when you're consistent in showing up as yourself, that means that you're imperfect, that you don't say all the right words, that you lose your train of thought when you're honest about that, then it just builds trust. So because nobody's perfect, so it makes the connection. And I think that's something that Dave and I both have had with lots of other people, but also with each other. But it's something that we've noticed is that we just don't try to put on airs, I guess. Right. There's just no <laughs> there's no hope for me and Dave. Anyway, I tried. So, <laughs> so we just it's better uh, if we just accept people as how they are. And we are just not going to try to be like anybody else. So um, Dave, I'm going to ask you this. And then you guys can answer this also in the chat. Um, How many jobs or projects have you landed as a result of a client or employer seeing your portfolio? Well, I don't want to blow my own trumpet here, but it's actually a big fat zero. (laughs) And the reason for that is, uh, it's funny because we, I think there was the last one, or maybe it's this one, where we talk about my one of my most hated phrases in graphic design imposter syndrome. Is it, I don't, I don't deliberately not share my work because I don't feel I'm good enough, or it's good enough, or I don't deserve to be like competing with the rest of the world. It's from very early on, because most of my early part of my career was making the designing stuff that was for a client that was for the company I worked for. It wasn't portfolio work. It was my day to day. So, so as long as my employer was happy that what I was creating entitled me to a wage and a living, um, I was happy that the work was fit for purpose that it did what it did. And even though I was doing stuff on the side, um, in the beginning, the internet wasn't really a place. There wasn't really a home for that. Like there is now. So I never got into the habit of feeling like I needed to keep putting anything I did out there. Um, in fact, I was saying to the girls, we were out in the car the other day, there's a, there's a company in Swindon. Um, and in 2009, I met the marketing director at a football match. My, my youngest lad was playing football. His lad was in the same team. We were chatting. I said, I just moved to Swindon. We just had our first daughter. And, um, he said, oh, what do you do? And so I'm a graphic designer. He's like, oh, we're thinking of rebranding our company. Would you be prepared to help? So yeah, okay, I'd love to. So I went in and we had a couple of meetings and we agreed a price and like a fee and an hourly fee and a rate for doing the work. And we went back and forward and he was really hands-on. And I've, I've, I think I've only just recently thrown it away, but I had a big thick folder of all the sketches we did and all the notes we took and photos of the equipment. Um, and I ended up designing this logo. Uh, which if if I showed you it, you'd go, eh? but it it's exactly what the client wanted. It was, they absolutely loved it. And they had, I think about 10 vehicles in their fleet. They've now got about 50 vehicles in their fleet. Oh. They do tarmacking, road surfacing, um, just 
all sorts of that kind of work and their fleet is constantly all around Wiltshire. So nearly every day I see a truck or a van or a car with the logo on the side and I still have to take a photo of it. I still get excited when I see it. Now, it's, it wouldn't be award-winning. Bill Gardner wouldn't entertain it for Logo Lounge. Um, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't even make Dribble or Behance. But I'm really proud of it because of the work that went into it and what it did. And that company's happy with it. So I, why don't I do stuff like that? I don't feel the need to share it because the person I made it for is happy with it. But it's also that they made your you helped them to get further in their business. And that is what we do. It's not always about making it um, award winning. Right. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, so we don't need to be we don't need to have that pressure of everything we do is award winning. And and I, I can't remember who I spoke to. I've, I've forgotten who I'm speaking to about this stuff because I've been telling so many people about this talk um, is I don't I don't. Um, I don't tend to look at what I call convenient design, which is where lots of people post stuff online where it's not a real company, but it's a very convenient combination of names where you can get a nice icon. And there's kind of this, I, I don't know, it always looks fake to me where it's like the hand sketch and it's just very conveniently like works out perfectly. And, and I just think I get it. I get why people do it. They want to show their, their thought process, but sometimes it feels like it's been done in reverse. So it was all done on Illustrator and then backwards. And there's, don't get me wrong, is there is a ton of work out there, graphic designers, logos, branding. I, you know, I look at it all the time. It was just something I never did. My portfolio is me and how approachable I am, how genuine I am if I go into a company. And most of the work I've had or I've got has come from people meeting me at an event, talking to me about what I do, listening to me talk about how much I love what I do. And then I get the work from that and we do it and I, and I deliver it to them and I get paid and I move on. And I don't, and I've never got into the habit of sharing the work. So, so they don't see a portfolio. And if you Google me, um, which sounds really like big headed. My book comes up and some modeling that I've done comes up, some weird photos of me as a boxer or a psycho with a blade. But it's normally the podcast, the book covers I've done for Glenn and Alan, um, a little bit of modeling, and may, maybe an odd project I've forgotten about. But you won't find, a, a, I have got a Behance, but it's only got the book covers on. Um, you won't find a dribble or behance a website, a portfolio. My Instagram is a mess. It's just full of whatever comes out my brain that day. But then again, my living isn't being a logo designer. I'm sure if that was my bread and butter and what I needed to do, I'd probably change, but it's not, it's not, it's not who I am. So, so the point of it is like, don't totally rely on the work you do because you could do amazing work, but be the worst person to be around. Or you could have no work and be a most amazing person to work with. So I would always say, be like, be yourself, be genuine, and people will hire you without needing to see a portfolio. Portfolio helps. You obviously want to show some work that you've done, but it's I don't live that, and die by it. Right. But but I guess what we were trying to go with with this point was that some people will just hire you because they meet you and they like you. But yeah. that means that you need to be open to talking to them. I know Faye <laughs> goes to a networking meeting over in the U in the UK in Tunbridge, I think. Yeah. Right. So um, 
so and I'm thinking, you know, and Faye maybe can answer this in the in the chat or Alan, you know, like when you're in San Diego, you're just walking up and you say, hey, I'm a photographer for events and stuff like that. I'm sure people aren't like, well, let me see the, some of those photos right before they. Oh, hey, I have an event. I need a photographer for this or I need a logo for this or I need as Faye's talking about what she does or Amy's talking about what she does. Right. They don't. People aren't like, well, prove it. Let me see it. Right. And I think that there's something to that. But that hopefully should encourage you that if unless you're just mean um, that you can actually every opportunity that you have, if you're standing in line, you could talk to the person in front of you or behind you because then you actually may get work from something like that. It doesn't just have to be your portfolio online. I also could, I probably haven't gotten, I've, I, and I mean like I've gone to a job interview and I've shown them my portfolio, but I mean like client settings where I just am talking to someone. I almost have never, I would also say a big goose egg that nobody has ever said, Oh, well, let me see your portfolio. We first sit down and we talk. And then they know that if I've been in business this long, I must be able to do what they want, right? Or I can hopefully meet meet their needs. Okay. Yeah. Alan, gonna- sorry, Alan just made a good point, which is really important because it works positive and negative is word of mouth. Um, I would much I would much rather be referred by someone I've worked with in the same way we've we've spoken about previously is when we do a warm introduction to someone that carries so much weight. Um, and I think it was, Faye, yeah, Faye and somebody else said, obviously they get to know you, but they are, they do need to see some work, but people want to work with good people mm. and then know that you're qualified. I, I wouldn't have a conversation with someone even if I claim to be the most amazing person on the planet, if I couldn't back it up with the work, otherwise I'm going back to being disingenuous and I'm not being me and I'm trying to fit in with someone else. And it's, you take it, it's like the the actors who go, yeah, of course I can ride a horse. And then someone comes along and goes, oh, we'd love you to be in this film about cowboys. It says you can ride a horse. And they're like, crap, I've got to learn to ride a horse now. (laughs) Right. Don't Don't be learning to ride the horse. Make sure you can already write it. And I do think there, like Paul saying, new clients need some sort of validation um, for the qualifications. But it's like that's the stuff that you're going to show on your website. But it's also, wow, maybe this should also be something like what Dave's saying. He may not have the paving company on his website, but he could talk about that as a client success that from working with Dave it went from how many um service vehicles did they have it was i think it was 10 and it's now about 50, 50. and so growing five times as many like that's huge oh hey pippa pippa's also in tunbridge or near i don't she's the photographer i want to connect you with okay we all, we all live just outside london that's right that's right um <laughs> uh, okay doc says what's the balance between saying yes and figuring it out versus that uh don't learn to ride the horse <laughs> Uh, well, I just think, you know what you, but at this point in our career, we know what our strengths are and we know the jobs. Like I used to do web design because it was the biggest, best money you could earn back in the day, but it's the never ending job. A website never ends. There's never a line drawn. I still get asked to do website stuff and I just refuse to do it. Um, that, so there are things I can do and I won't do, um, at the same time, somebody came to me and said they were looking for some um, character creation. 
and animation. And I went back and rather than go, oh, yeah, that sounds cool. I'd love to do that. I know my limitations in time um, and I wouldn't really know how to deliver that project and, and whether I could fulfill it. So I rejected it because it's like, well, I could create a character and I could learn After Effects, but that's not giving that customer the best service. They might want to work with me, but I can't deliver the best product for them. So I would rather say, oh, I've got a buddy who does that go and ask that person so i think it's just knowing what can you fit in what what can you deliver that you'd be proud of that you'd be the cust the customer would feel proud of Cause nothing worse than somebody going i really love you dave and thanks for doing it and pays the money and then then going afterwards thinking oh, didn't, it's, it's good but it's not what we wanted but i don't want to upset dave he's a really nice guy i don't want to sit diane she's a really nice lady and so you never want that because it just leaves a weird, weird smell in the room. <laughs> For sure. So this is yours, Dave. It's blue. Oh, yeah. So my body of work isn't just my design. I'm trying to think where we were. Um, crikey, it's been so long since we did. Well, I think, I know. I think it was where, just where that. It's just that our portfolio oh, yeah, yeah. isn't the yeah. only thing, right? It yeah, is so about my... being friendly. It's about being able to solve issues and yeah. being able to talk about some of those success things from other people. Yeah. My body. I mean, if you ever get an email from me, um, I've got probably my signature is my portfolio because it says I'm a graphic designer. I'm an author of a book. I've, I'm an instructor at these events. Uh, I'm a podcast host and here's my phone number and here's my email. Oh, here's my um, yeah phone number and something else. So that's kind of my body of work is look, these are the things. So the fact that I've spoken at an event, you kind of get a feeling that I know a little bit about what I'm talking about and bluff the rest of it, or, you know, that I've written a book about something design related. So I'm kind of knowledgeable there, but I tend to probably say my, my email signature is my body of work. Hmm. And then you can pull the bits out of it that you want. But it is important. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, and I just can't be bothered to update a portfolio. <laughs> yeah, updating a portfolio is a whole another uh, episode uh, we'll have to do. But but uh, and Paul's saying, you know, something that's important. It's as you have, if you've been in business for ten years or twenty years or twenty five years, you are probably. And Paul and I have talked about this recently. We kind of get bored until we start doing something new, and then we start doing something new, and we start doing something else. But then we're honing in, but we're also like in the beginning of our careers, we say yes to lots of things. And uh, Dave used to do websites. I said yes to websites also in 2005. And that's, I love doing websites now, but I used to do logos. And now I actually point those to somebody else because those mm. just really stress me out. So I don't like um, those. <laughs> But I think that's why we need community because we're not. And we're going to get to that in just a second. So let me yeah. go to the next one. So here's where we were going to manage our ex your expectations about me and Dave. So I'm going to just start. Oops, bookers. Um, I am awkward, but that means um, that I am relatable. So we should all just harness our inner awkwardness. I'm curious. And that means that I'm never bored and I'm always learning. I'm unpolished, which means that again, approachable. Um, 
people don't necessarily aren't afraid to come up to me. I'm like the weird person with three arms that I don't have three arms, but the weird person that they're like, well, at least I'm not as weird as that person. Or, you know, like they're not going to judge you or that's me. I'm not going to judge you because I'm already, you know, like, anyway, I'm just digging myself a hole here. Um, I'm quirky and that have been told that that was refreshing and unexpected. And I wasn't the smartest kid, meaning that I wasn't an all A's kid, but it helped me to develop grit. And that me- meant that things, I knew things, life was going to be hard and things were going to be hard, but it meant that I kept trying and it, you couldn't keep me down. And then I have ADHD, um, which I think means that I can juggle more than most. Sometimes it's not super great, but most of the time I think it's a superpower. Okay, Dave, this one's you. Yeah. Uh, one that came up at work this week was we realized for my age, I've been alive in seven decades Oh, wow. It's mad. And you only fit, you only know how old you feel when you're filling in something on the phone and you have to scroll back to your year of birth. And it feels like HG Wells time machine just going. (laughs) Yes. Um, But yeah. So, so when I tell people my age, it's like I'm old, but with that comes experience. As you'll probably realize, I'm very retrospective. I compare a lot of things I've done to things I've done in the past. And I use my past to guide my future. I'm not one of those thinking forward. I kind of live now and use the past to remind me what I do. Uh, believe it or not, I am an introvert. Um, I think you, you can be, I think Chris Doe put something, uh, he's a loud introvert or something. Yes. Mm-hmm. My conf, my confidence is better, but I am still an introvert. Um, I even noticed it at Creative South. I did find myself blending into the wallpaper a couple of times rather than be part of a conversation. It was like, well, that's old me, but it's still me. Um, but it means you're a listener because you tend to not be the center of attention. You can kind of stand back, listen to what's going on, hear about people. And then that gives me the confidence. Then when I do go and speak to them, I don't kind of go, Hey, I was just listening to you. And you said you like this and I like it too. Let's be best friends. Um, But it is good to kind of tune into what's going on around you. So that if someone does come up and talk to you, you're kind of not cold. Um, I think I'm, I'm, a bit quirky and weird about stuff uh which i think gives you broader interest for conversation because sometimes an odd conversation is is one that someone will remember um i'm unqualified and what i mean by that is i left school at 16 uh there were no computers apart from on star trek Uh, i went and did engineering uh so everything i've learned to be where i am today has come from just picking it up as i went and doing a night school at college reading books joining organizations and 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 you've seen at the beginning if you remember the last time that the the things that have happened to me that in the that started in my 40s not even like way back then um so i've got a lot of friends and mentors from the past including mike um that have taught me a lot and that's given me the confidence to learn more and so i'm not qualified in terms of exams but i think i'm qualified in other ways that are more a dave and diane thing is i'm qualified in being me uh chatty i love i love conversation conversation is education you learn always learn something about someone or something or a subject and even if you have no interest in it listen because you just it's a thing to bank if you ever meet someone else that's got that interest you can go ah i know about fly fishing or whatever um and i'm very curious uh which makes makes me a little 
more knowledgeable it means i'm always exploring and finding things out i'm forever taking screenshots of things that look interesting and then when i've got some downtime i go and find a book or a website or something and read a bit more about it um i do that more than i read stories so um so yeah if you do all these things opportunities will come your way if you if you be who you want to be and put yourself out there these things will start to come to you now i my slides yeah yeah so i'm checking because i've got i'm looking at diane's but i've also got a copy on screen to remind me where we were um what i call the breadcrumb trail uh somebody said once if you look at anybody who does anything good success leaves clues so you can go and look and see well okay how did that person get from a to b what things did they do to do that and a lot more people share information now than they ever did back in the day it was i can't remember if we said it the last time but do you remember at school when you sit you do an exam and they put their arm around you not allowed to see that's how training used to be nowadays people share so much they almost fight to share on places like youtube they can't you know they're crawling all over each other to share share all the secrets and the levels and everything but if you look at the people who are genuinely good they do leave clues you can see the things their moments in their life that where they were successful and didn't waste their time so that's why i have my own breadcrumb trail um that's why i go back to a point where i think well how did i get here what was the defining moment? And I go back and well, I was there because of that. That happened because of him. And I met him because of that. And then there comes like a starting point in time. It doesn't go all the way back to my mum meeting my dad. And if it hadn't been for that, I wouldn't be born. But there's a point where I kind of go, ah, that was the moment where I stepped out of my comfort zone. Or that was where I made the decision to do something. So I try to repeat those things and it works. It's a formula for me. It's I add to it, I fine-tune it, but I find using my being retrospective, using my history, I use it to build my future. That sounds really corny, but that's no, just the way I am. And I think that's what I do with the podcast. I try to share stories of hope, and I'm trying to uncover these um, success trails, right? Because I think that other they can be replicated by other people. You just have to find the trail that's right for you. Yeah. So um, I think you're over the thing, the number. So this is number six, how to be a super friend. You should expect nothing in return. And I, uh, I think it, this throws a lot of people off and I'll tell you a story from this week, um, but unless I can't go forward. So it means that you don't have an ulterior motive that you're not trying to do something just because you want. So, Jacob, who's here, who is also in Raleigh, he had the super soft uh, uh, hot mess hoodie. And I just petted him because it was so soft. I did not do this to be like, hey, man, I want a hoodie. But he sent me a hoodie and that was really super sweet. And I love this hoodie. It's so, so soft. But I think that sometimes I'm just doing things because... I have time and I want to do them. And I'm not going to say that I can't do them unless I can. And I think that I just think other good things will happen. I'm not expecting somebody else to provide me, do something. It's not tit for tat kind of. And I think a lot of people will go into a situation being like, well, I did this. You should do this for me. And I think that 
this is what Dave and I have done. And um, we just kind of go with reckless abandon. One time I remember I asked Dave, I said, how do you open the door, the front door? You know, and I said, my husband is very similar more to Dave's wife. um, And me and Dave are very similar. We just open the door all the way. I don't even look through the peephole, nothing. I'm just like, hey, who's here, you know? And my husband would be like, get the bat, you know, or something. He's <laughs> like only looking at it, making sure he's looking at the window or looking at the cameras or something. Right. And I think that the way we kind of uh, um, approach that door is how I've just, I'm not, I'm not expecting anybody to do anything bad, but I'm also not expecting anybody to, I'm just going, I'm just doing, I'm there. And I'm not doing it with any ulterior motives. Um, I read this book, unless you have an ulterior motive uh, story. No, I was just going to say, if you ever find yourself doing something for someone that they didn't ask for, and then you say to them, you owe me one, slap yourself in the face, because you should just do things because it feels right and you know it will help someone out. Don't, don't, like I said, don't do it because you want something in return. I've turned many things down in the past because I can't give the person like someone's wanting to be generous with me, but I can't give them back what I know they deserve back for that. Now, if they insist, it's like, okay, well, I still will do something with you, but I'm not, I didn't do this for that thing. I just want, I felt I could help you and I wanted to, and that's what a good friend would do. Um, And it all evens out. It all, you know, it all goes round and evens it out in the end. But if you ever say to someone, you owe me slap yourself hard. Yeah. Well, so this weekend, um, this, this new friend, uh, I made, I said I could help her and, um, and I hadn't known her. I mean, I've followed her and I know it was probably creeper a little bit of me. I was like, I can help you. And so her husband was like, how long have you known her? And he's like, don't share your screen, you know, like, um, but because uh, I can imagine there are some weirdos out there. I think it's just not me. I know I can. I'm awkward, but maybe I'm not a weirdo. Anyway, we're the weirdo. That's right. We're the weirdos. Um, so anyway, I said, I can help you. And so and then she was like, well, how about I'll just give you whatever. And I was like, you know what? I don't I don't want anything. I'm actually happy to pay for the Thing that you're producing. I want to support you in that way because I feel like you've done a lot already. I said, I just want you to be my friend. And I feel like that's so, like, I said this out loud there. I was like, I feel like that's such a dorky thing to say, but that's really it. Like, I'm not doing it for anything, but just, I just want to be your friend. I want to be a good friend. And that's yeah. what I do. Okay. It goes, it, it goes back to like spending, we said in the in part one, we're about spending money with friends. It's like, you might look at it and think, oh, $30 for a font or a color pack or something. You, you, you do need it. You will use it. But it's like, we'll go and spend 30, I'll say 30 quid, 30 bucks on, on some tat off Amazon. Um, and yet we won't spend $30 with a friend who's got something that they get all the money. We get something we know we can use, but when we use it, we can promote them as well. Yeah. You know, I've, I don't think I've ever ever bought anything from Amazon and gone online and gone, hey, I've got this really cool thing from Amazon. The only time I ever promote Amazon is if I found a book that I really want and I tend to buy them off Amazon Marketplace because I can get them secondhand from libraries and cheaper. But yeah, whereas I'd rather buy uh, something from Dustin or, you know, a, a friend who's made a product and go, uh, oh, hey, I bought your T-shirt. I don't need another T-shirt, but when I wear it, I'll post it on on 
on Instagram or whatever and go, hey, it's my, my mate's T-shirt. Go and buy right. one. Right. Exactly. Okay. So I read this book and um, this is a Jesus book and it's awesome. And it's called Crazy Faith. And so Michael Todd, he's a preacher in uh, Oklahoma. And he talked, he's, um, if you know anything, there's a, one of the disciples was Thomas and he wasn't with all the other disciples when Jesus came back. And he was like, wait, I, well, when I see him, I want him to prove to me that it is, he has the holes in his, in his hands, or, you know, he wants to see the, the, where he was, where Jesus was slashed in the um, side. And, um, and usually we think of this as doubting Thomas. So he didn't, he didn't believe that it really was Jesus. Right. But, this guy, I've never heard this way of looking at it, but he was, Michael Todd said, well, really, I think he was hopeful because we are told that we are supposed to be hoping. We are supposed to verbalize what we are hoping for. So I think about this when we are trying to get um, more logo work or something, right? Well, if you don't tell anybody that you're hoping to get more logo work, then how will anybody know that you want more logo work? And I, I just love that he flipped this instead of being, well, I don't have any, um, I'm going to need to prove it or whatever. I just love that he switched doubting Thomas to hopeful Thomas, which I really loved that. And then I, that's something I think that uh, Design Recharge and Creatives Ignite has always done is just being very much about hope. So it's if, if Faye can do it, if Dave can do it, if Brian could do it, that is, um, that means that I could do it. There's, yeah. there's nothing like uber special about all of those things. And I, I just, I love that. So I think that we're just supposed to say what we want instead of expecting people to be able to read our mind. Oh, one of my least favorite phrases from anybody is um, the whole thing of, I'm going to sit by the phone and wait for it to ring. Nobody yeah. knows you're available and nobody knows what you're doing and you don't go anywhere and speak to anyone. Why is your phone going to ring? You're going to have a very, very long, long, lonely days sat waiting for that. Like I know these days it's different, but the old thing of waiting for the phone to ring, it's not like that anymore. You've got to let people know that you're available and then the right things will happen if they, if they see that you want to be involved. Well, and it's just like me with that new friend. I said, I would love to help you. And, she could have said, no, I'm good. Or she could have said, you know, yes, great. I would, I need your help. But she also had to say what she was struggling with. And I think oftentimes we tend to not share what we're struggling with, but if you don't ever share it, how can, um, for me, like, how can that prayer be answered? You know, that you really wanted somebody to help you with this thing because, you didn't never verbalize it with other people. So I think that's cool. So I think you have to have faith that uh, uh, opportunities will come. And that um, for me, I, that is definitely in my, uh, what I believe. And I, I need to have faith that those things that uh, I believe that God will take care of me and that other things will happen. And it, sometimes there are really droughts, right? But am I doing everything or am I just sitting by the phone waiting for it to ring? I also think we're supposed to be people of action. And I also think we're not supposed to keep score. Same thing like, hey, I'll do this for me. You, if you do this for me, right? Both of Dave and I are both like, oh, don't keep score. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, it, and it's playing the long game as well. I mean, when I, when I talk about my career and sort of people assume I left school and I went to university and I got a degree in design, um, 
I've there's some opportunities I've had that have taken like six years to come to fruition. I've had to put in time and expense into turning up for something, going to an event, developing a relationship. And and then when people are like, oh, you're so lucky you get to do Adobe Max. It's like, no, but it took me. Why do people have to print while I'm in the office on a podcast and my printer's going? Um, <laughs> it's very it, quiet. I almost not, it, don't hear oh, it. Oh, it's all right. I, the mic's over here. But, yeah, so I had to, I had to like, go to a couple of things, develop a relationship, then like kind of let them know what I did and then like prove myself by doing something. And it took from probably 2013, 2014 through to 2020, six years before the opportunity for me to do Adobe Max came along. Um, So for me, it's always long game. Um, you will have some short, quick successes, but it's like the get get rich quick thing. Is it, you get rich quick and it's over very quick. It's not always sustainable. So I just think, okay, what can I do to sustain this and keep it going? And things change and paths change, but I always play the long game because I have less disappointment in that mm. because I think you know, it's like, the, the thing I love that Christo said a couple of years ago on stage was that important word yet. I can't do that yet. So I would love to, I would love to teach at Adobe Max in person. Um, this year it's back in person. I've done two years online. I would love to teach live. I won't be disappointed if I don't, because I've offered, I'm still going to be a TA. So I'll still help out in classes. If I do get the gig, I've still said to the team, probably there's very few instructors will do it because they're either an instructor or a TA. I've said, listen, if I do get to speak, I'll still be a TA because I'm there. Use me. I'd happily help out. But if I don't do it this year, it's not going to be a failure. I just keep doing the work I'm doing and hope maybe next year I might get invited. But if I don't get invited, it's not going to be the end of it. It's a goal. But who knows in three or four years time, an opportunity might come up where I've, I've not thrown my toys out the pram and gone, well, that's not fair. I didn't get, I've done it for this. And why not that cut? You've ended that relationship. You've ended that opportunity. So I like playing that long game because say, if I go backwards and I look at the things that happened, they happened because I played the long game, not because I wanted a quick, easy result, get in, get out and grab the glory. So yeah, if you've got the patience, definitely it's my advice. Absolutely. Okay. So let me go to the next slide. Oh, this one's you too, Dave. Oh uh, yeah. So, so the, like I said, the big thing for me is making new friends. Um, we don't have to be BFFs. We don't have to be texting each other every day, but everyone's different. Everyone brings something to the table. And I love that phrase of you won't people say it's not, it's not what you know, it's who, you know, it's sometimes not what, you know, it's not who, you know, it's who they know. So making friends as you go it doesn't hurt to, to chat to people and get to know them and then you have like the you have your kind of your bullseye you have your core friends and then the circles come out and certain people you, it, you even take it and you can have a venn diagram of bullseyes <laughs> where certain things cross over but i love making friends i love that every time i go somewhere i come away with a 
you know, I go to Creative South, I come away with a Debbie Clapper. Um, yeah. And, you know, we, we keep in touch and we chat and we text and, and, and I love looking at her stuff. And then there'll be a couple of people I met at previous Creative South. I got to know more the second time round. That friendship develops. But I, that's, that comes from my dad. And we always joked mm. we, could go on, we could go on holiday and my dad would either already know someone or come away with 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 a friend, a family, or something. So it's it's interesting. It's you know we're only we're only here once, and there's a lot of cool people out there. And if you if you find yourself putting yourself in places where there are good people, you will make some really fast friends like Alan, Glenn, Diane, um, Debbie. You make fast friends, and you make introductions that become slow friends, but not that they're friends that are slow. <laughs> but I just love that I go on social media, the lovely people that leave comments, the people I connect with on LinkedIn and, and that I just love that I can say to someone, if someone says, Oh, um, such and such like this, this week, sorry, I know we're in that time. There was a, there was a, uh, I sold some field notes books in the, in the field notes group and the, the young lady that bought them, Benita, it turns out, we were both at the same Adobe Max and we had a photograph with Charles Anderson on the same day. And then it turns out she worked for Mama Source and I know Nick from Mama Source. And it, and we'd actually met, but we hadn't realised we'd actually met. So now we've planned to meet up. If she goes to Adobe Max, we plan to meet up Adobe Max and have a chat and talk about design. So the, I just love building those little relationships, that whole kind of small world connection. But um, yeah, do it. It's great fun. Me too. Um, all right. So number seven is you need to create pockets of support. So one of the things about being really being making new friends and being a friend and having someone be your friend is to because you do have to be open. So you have to be vulnerable. And um, lots of people are out there talking about like how you can get your super fans. And me and Dave are not about the super fans. Or maybe just me, but I really, really don't like super fans. I like super friends, right? That we are the, when Doc came on today, he's like, sup, friends. And I, or whatever, Dave, sup, Dave. And I was like, sup is super, not. Um, what's up? What's up, right? <laughs> like for me. Um, so to me, it's like, let's, I, I don't need, um, I need friends. I I don't want fans. I can. So these are some of my uh, super friends, people that I meet with on a regular basis and I've seen grow and then they help me grow too. Um, and because I don't think we're competing against each other. Lots of people like Dave talked about how everybody would keep it really close and they wouldn't share. And obviously there's still that kind of some people tend towards that, um, but we're really not competing. There's enough work for all of us to go around. And so I think it's more like we're pollinating. We're just taking a little bit of the pollen and we're going to go and um, spread it around. And that's definitely kind of Dave and I's perspective on helping people and meeting people. It's not just about what they can do for us. It's about, oh, wow, I know somebody else to connect you to. And to me, um, communities and typography have another similarity, which it's like they're like bras. And when they're doing their job, they're supporting. When they're the supporting the message, they're supporting your girls, right? And a community is somebody who's going to support you. It doesn't mean that you are the only one that has to show up and give, give, give. It also means that 
it's it's a two way street, which I really think is difficult sometimes um, in today, like with our clients, it's sometimes you also have sometimes have to ask or tell them what you need as well. So this balconette bra, any of the women here um, can help uh, vouch with me is that this is not the kind of community. This is like you have to stand straight. I hope you don't drop anything because everybody's coming out if you bend over. So this is not like the com- community that I need. I don't need if I, I have to stay in line and I have to do this this way um, because Otherwise, things go awry, right? And they're not comfy either, Amy says. I agree. Um, I'm more of this kind of uh, community support. I need one that's going to hold me in and really let me be able to run and jump and play and do everything that I need to to do. So that's the kind of community I need. I need somebody who's going to be okay with me crying or okay with me getting sensitive or okay with me, hey, hey, I need to take a month off or I need to... Um, I need to meet, you know, I can't meet as much. That's, that's the kind of community I need. And that's what I would encourage y'all to do as well. Just be that kind of friend to do that. So I know there is this comparison is the thief of joy. It's a quote by uh, Teddy Roosevelt. um, And we're going to talk about that in a minute, but um, you know, if we just are comparing ourselves to each other um, on Instagram, or this is where I am. And I, I, I'm not as good as Dave at this, or I'm not as good at whatever, right? Then I will never be good enough ever. Cause I will never, I really just need to compare to who I was yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say this. I wish I could remember it. There's a saying about, I think it's a dolphin and a monkey. If you judge a dolphin by its ability to climb a tree, it's useless, but you, you don't compare to the wrong thing as well, which you can do. Um, this is a big one for me, and uh, I could talk for an hour about this, but I'm going to say in one minute, embrace your differences, okay? We are all different. We all come from different backgrounds. Our days are different. Our people are different. So embrace who you are and how you deal with things. And I know we've gone through a really awful time where we've all had some very difficult circumstances and situations, but if we just park that over because that was something we never saw coming, on a day-to-day embrace who you are embrace why you're different to someone else embrace that you're not as not not as clever you're not as experienced as someone else we're not all at the peak of our game whether it's sport business politics whatever so when i hear people when i see people post the words imposter syndrome on their social media nine times out of ten it's it's a crutch it's of course we suffer from imposter syndrome because it's not that we don't deserve to be where we are. It's not that someone's going to tap on our shoulder and go, Hey, uh, you shouldn't be here. You're not good enough. We are good enough for the moment that we're in. Okay. And if, if I ever feel like imposter syndrome as it was, it's because I'm not qualified yet. It's because I've not learned enough yet. It's because I'm not as far ahead as maybe I thought I would, which is why I said, don't take on things you can't do. Because as soon as you take on things you can't do and you struggle, you go, oh, where's that? Oh, let me just pull it out. Yeah. Imposter syndrome. I'll use that one today. It's a very overused um, term that is an excuse for people where there are genuinely people who do suffer from it. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. Um, It's like ADHD is a thing. 
but so many people use it in the way like OCD. If you ever speak to anyone who's genuinely got OCD, they hate it when people go, oh, sorry, I have to have my mug there because I'm so OCD. They're like, oh, mate, you don't even know what OCD is. Yeah, so, so next time you sit and think about it, just think about why you think you're suffering from imposter syndrome because it's not that you're not good enough because you sat there with an Apple Mac, a monitor, software, books, friends, community. You're in the right place. You're just not at a point in time where you expect to be. It's not a bad thing. So embrace your imposter syndrome. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> and also, don't dim other people's light to make yours brighter. I see this so much in the photography industry. My friends in photography, if Alan's still here, he'll know about it. Is It's that whole thing of one-upmanship. Um, is rather than congratulate and embrace someone's difference or the, or success, it's you have to put them down to make yourself feel elevated. And we don't live such a, we don't live in such a tolerant world anymore. And this behaviour stands out a lot, and it's put it's called out a lot. So don't be that person. You know, praise that brighten other people's lights at the expense of yours dimming because yours will get brighter again but sometimes people just need a few extra watts 1.21 gigawatts of power <laughs> um, to give them a little boost so yeah flip it absolutely i love that so okay so this is a um <laughs> you're supposed <laughs> to just look at it and see so in the chat you can do this so just the little thing the little square kind of in the front not the stuff on the sides um so it's like three I don't know what it's, it's like a circle that was cut into quarters, I think, and then put together. So Dave, what do you see? I, so when I first saw this, I thought of one of those windmills that you have as a kid where it's got the little fans and you spin it, mm -hmm. but one's fallen off. Right, right, right. A little pinwheel, right? Yeah. So, but I didn't see a pinwheel. I saw a running milkshake. Like, didn't you see it? Like he's running just, that's all I could see. But that's where the comparison can be beautiful thing. Like, okay, so then let's compare and let's flip that. It's not the thief of joy. I think it's so much fun. So um, if you look at the right, that's mine. If you look at the left, that's Dave's. I know that I've done this with Pippa and Faye also and a, and a few other people. I love that we see things so differently, but sometimes we see things so similar. So I made like a peapod man and Dave made a leaf, which is similar. I don't even know what I was making here. I, <laughs> I, I mean, um, I love this guy with the, uh, with the really big armholes. I love that you saw Marge, right? Um, <laughs> uh, you made these connect together and he's pointing, it looks like Woodrow Wilson or maybe it's Teddy yeah. Roosevelt right there. I don't know. Um, but I just love that they're so different and I couldn't even make anything out of the hot dog. I just drew around it. But like, I love that you made a hot dog and it makes it so that maybe we just need to compare to someone else sometimes to see how unique we are. Um, I, I just think that's really fun. Go ahead. Oh, we're going to say something. Oh, I thought you were breathing. I thought you were, I want to say something. <laughs> then these are four. So Amy, um, Amy Lynn, this was hers. This was mine. This is one of my students, um, Grace. And this is one of my students, Randy, which this is the same part of the, the, blob sheet 
And look how different we all did. Amy connected it and she made this like dancing woman. I just made a weird couch. Grace made um, a, a moon. And then Randy's, I was like, whoa, what in the heck? But I love this. He's like cutting um, ham or something. I just think maybe comparison is really unexpected joy. <clears throat> Number eight, Number last eight. one. Yes. So. One of the big things that's really helped me, and I mentioned it earlier, Adobe Max offering to be a TA is offering to help, say yes to helping. Doesn't mean, but this is another thing we have to value is our time. Don't just say yes to everything because you'll burn out, you'll be exhausted, and you will actually find people then uh, take advantage of you. And that's the, the last thing you want to happen. So obviously always measure the people you're saying yes to and why you're helping them and how much of your time is is going to help them and help you so when i say yes to helping sometimes they are like i said they are things i would not do in a million years one of them is standing in front of a camera i am firmly behind the camera and a few years ago it was around 2012 yeah it was because it's 10 years old now 2012 uh, my friend glenn dewis ran a workshop and he was doing caricature port caricature portraits which you'll see in the next slide but leave it on this one for now um and his model never turned up the day before he said can't make it and glenn was like oh i've got a workshop tomorrow i've got 12 people coming i need a model um and all it was was like a an editor like jj jameson from uh spider-man kind of thing you know a news editor so he said to me dave i need someone to be the model and i'm like yeah you do and he said no dave i need someone to be a model you and I was like, absolutely not, Glenn, in words to that effect. Um, I did not want to dress up. I didn't want to stand in front of people and, and look different and, and be photographed. But I had to. It's the only option Glenn had. It's probably one of the best things I've ever done. Because um, before we go on to the next slide, these two photographs uh, are mass. Like the, the one on the right is the last one I did, which was... Um, when I turned 50, I took a picture of me going like that. And I said, when people say the only way is up, I didn't mean it meant like I'd look like the guy from up. So we did a workshop. And if you find Glenn's, uh, Glenn's channel, there's actually video footage of us in the studio. And I made the badge. I, I had the clothes. My trousers are all padded out because my T-shirt stuffed down there. And he did all the photo manipulation. But I love this because it was just came from nothing and i by this time i had the confidence to be in front of the camera and i came up with the idea of dressing up the one on the left is i don't undress in front of anybody i don't go swimming i don't walk around in the summer with my shirt off so when glenn said could you be a boxer and wear a vest and being out of shape we played on it i was an out of shape boxer that had been absolutely battered um and this came from help so if you go to the next slide uh, the image on the right uh, of me with a cigar, and it's not a lit cigar because I refuse to smoke anything because I never have done. So part of the Photoshop effect was that. But I stood in, I did this character, the editor, it it became, Glim published it and did like the behind the scenes. It then got picked up by two photography magazines. I was on the cover of two magazines. I even found a magazine at the airport when I was coming back from Germany that my picture was on. Uh, the bottom one became the main image for a photography conference in Holland. So apparently my face was everywhere on all these big drop banners. But once we did it, 
helping out it really took me out my comfort zone it really gave me a bit of confidence to be a character and be someone else so we then did this psycho with the blood and uh then we did a nerd and we did uh the boxer um we there was another one we did as well but it became fun i was helping glenn these people come into workshops and they were having great fun and i was making friendships from those that are still friends other but this was an opportunity that has opened so many doors for me because I was a so I was in the photography industry and I've got work off the back of this, not modeling work, even though I'm a professionally paid model. <laughs> um, but I have actually got work off the back of this because of the reputation and the relationship with Glenn in the industry that so many people I know think I'm a photographer. In fact, bless him, Doc, who I love. This is one I tell you about Doc Reed. I love Doc Reed more than I love Ryan Reynolds. And that's saying something. Um, Doc messaged me this week and asked me a question about Lightroom. I've opened Lightroom like twice in my whole life and, and closed it just as quick. I couldn't help him and I felt bad, but I don't know. I th- I, I'm not a photographer, but some people think I am because of the industry I'm in. So I would never take on photography work. Um, but yeah, saying yes to helping. This is something I'm really proud of. Um, because it's something I never, ever thought I would do. And I've had so much fun doing it as well. And I, it's, but it stemmed from something that you were so uncomfortable doing, but you'd said yes, because Glenn needed you. And sometimes those opportunities, we don't think of them as opportunities, but they end up becoming that. Um, Chris Doe says that I said this, and I guess maybe I did, but I can't really remember. But anyway, he said, um, he's like, Diane, you said this. You can either be the sage on the stage or the guide on the side. And I usually prefer to be the guide on the side because I love to see other people shining. So um, I call that being a bottom cheerleader. And I think Dave's a bottom cheerleader. Chris is one of my bottom cheerleaders. Um, So people who are going to lift me make ways for me. So I also try to make ways for other people as well. So what what, um, Chris saw as... Uh, superpowers for I was seeing maybe as weaknesses and some it's just being willing to (coughs) look at yourself in a different way and possibly those can be seen as strengths or even superpowers just like you being willing to play those characters right and all those characters um when you you when Mike was making you be the plastics guy yeah. or whatever, it helped. I was somebody to be able else to to be able to be the killer or the um, boxer or whatever. I think that sometimes it's just it is going back to that kid and playing. So yeah, so eight steps. We've gone through eight things over two sessions. So the takeaways and action steps for you. Um, the thing I will say to my children is take everything we've talked about and everything we do. And like, I was like, how do you fill your bucket? So I like to make sure that my bucket has a combination of different things in it to fill it up. And if it starts to get full, it means I want that overflow to to go. I don't want it to go to waste. I want it to help somebody else. So there are times where, I might get an opportunity that, like I say, is a bit overwhelming or a bit fantastic and I just want to share it with someone else. I want to fill their bucket as well. Um, and at the end of the day, if we can get quite a nice full bucket, we're, we're doing a good thing. We're collecting all the right things. So I say we always say to our girls, how's your bucket today? 
and and they tell us the things that made them happy the things that made them sad but we make sure at the end of the day they can talk about it so find a friend if your bucket's very empty talk to a friend talk to them about why it's empty what what's happened and have someone help you because it won't be empty all the time but that's how i that's how i like to look at my day or my week i love that so this is what we did at at creative south we had everybody Everybody was sitting down and we said, everybody, if you came and you already knew somebody at Creative South, you may have come alone, but you came and you already knew somebody stand up and then people stood up and then, um, and Debbie's here. Hey, Debbie. And, and then um, I said, now look around because everybody who's sitting down needs to be asked to dinner and asked to lunch and they need to be talked to. So there are people who need, uh, need a new friend. And so I, uh, I had people come up to me later. They were like, if you had said anybody who did, came alone, stand up, would have never stood up. And I was like, I know, I know nobody would have stood up because, but it's about you were standing up because you knew somebody, but now these people need somebody too. So it's just about making connections, I think, and helping people. So one of the things we did at Creative South was um, we wanted to give people conversation starters. And so we gave everybody um, some stickers with blobs. We thought, okay, well, they can stick their sticker down and draw something on these. These could be rotated. That's why they're all rotated. You could see something um, in different ways. So just rotate it till you find something. And then share and try to find somebody with the other pink one or try to find, see what they did. So it gave them a opportunity to compare, but in a good way with somebody else. And then if, if I was with somebody who had the gray one and I had the blue one, at least I could say, Hey, what did you, what did you do? Cause it could be a, a doodle. Right. And then um, we thought sometimes you can tell an embarrassing story um, and Maybe if we have time at the end, we'll t- tell our embarrassing stories. Um, we both have some, more than one. Um, and then just listen more. Be somebody who's asking more questions and being curious about the other person. Instead of trying to one-up them or tell them a story that's funny, just listen and ask more about their story because that's a really good way to keep into a conversation. Um, I was like, what? What did I move? And then just be curious, right? Ask more questions and you might have a good opener story like Dave does. Oh yeah. So my conversations that I'm lucky, I've got a real I've got a really good conversation. It's, it's a happy sad one. So uh I lost my dad uh 2017. Crikey, it's that many years seems like forever but um my dad's in love actually and i tell everybody that that i can because i'm so proud of it i'm i'm i love that he's immortalized in film even though it is for a few seconds um but i know when i come to america a lots of people love the accent whether i up my game and speak more proper and eloquently or i drop back to how i talk when i'm with my friends it's a bit more people understand me less but one of the one of the things i love is people like film and they like music and when i often say to friends i watch your favorite film more often than not love actually comes up and then i go actually my dad's in love actually and they go no way and then i can tell the story about my dad um and it get it just gets a conversation going yeah of course it's me talking about me but i'm not talking about me i'm talking about my dad i'm so proud um, if you actually look in the top image, that's my mum in between them. So technically, my mum's also in love, actually. 
um it's right at the end it's the scene at the end with the airport where they do the talk over and um uh hugh hugh grant comes out and martin mccutcheon jumps up on him and then there's like a talk over dad's uh, about the third or fourth person and he's sadly both uh, both dad and eric have died now eric died just recently um so it's lovely that they're both immortalized in this film um and the other thing that's really cool for me is my older brother is has been really good friends with keith richards since about 1980 so i've been afforded some amazing opportunities but when my dad had uh, was diagnosed with dementia uh, my older brother, who's seven years older, he had some time on his hands. And dad used to be a singer. And Alan decided to get my dad to record an album because Alan's in a band and he had all the equipment and just to sing these old classics like Dean Martin. So the, the album was called Johnny Clayton and the D Martinis because it's after Dean Martin. And Alan just pulled in every favour, every musician he knew, um, people from the Dams and the, the English bands and, and, and Keith. Um, was like, what do you want me to do? So they did um, Bad Leroy Brown. Uh, it's one of my favourite tracks. I love it when when my iPod shuffle throws it up when I'm in the car driving. I always say, hello, Dad. Keith doesn't play guitar on it. Keith actually plays piano on it. But they're two things that I can talk about my dad and it makes other people, they can talk about their family or their parents or some proud thing they've got. Now, of course, I know not everyone's going to say, yeah, my, my person's also in a film or my, you know, my dad recorded with a rock star, but I'm proud of these things. And these are things that I can use to make a story. And, you know, someone might've lost a parent or, or something. So they, these are my, if you come up and talk to me, I can tell you more about it. Um, if ever you see me, but I just love that. I've got these two in, in my bank of, Hey, you want to hear an interesting story? So yeah. we've, all, we've all got them. We've all got them. So, and I think it's just important for everybody to create space for people to grow and practice and to shine. Um, so this was Dave's who can you lift, right? Who can you create space for? Yep. Who can you lift? What can you do? Just remember, be loyal. Um, it's not hard. If you, if you stay true to yourself, you, you can be a very loyal friend. Remind people they're important. Like I said, it goes back to the don't, don't try and step over someone. Um, we've all, we're all good at something. Um, rethink how you measure wealth. So wealth for me isn't money. Wealth for me is my friendship group. It's my experience. It's my ability to be part of things. That fills up my bucket of, if it was a bucket of cash, that's my bucket of cash. Um, be willing to be uncomfortable. Helping someone might take a comfort zone, but sometimes they're the funniest. They're the, they're the, they're the stories you tell. They're the, not that my dad's in love actually, but they're the, oh, I've got to tell you this one time I, I did this and it turned into that. And it wasn't life-threatening, but it's a funny story. And yeah. it's something that love, people love hearing. And then also remember to be approachable, to expect nothing in return, to create pockets of support for yourself. And say yes to helping, even when it's uncomfortable. So we're just two old cheerleaders um, lifting other people. And Dave needs new friends. And this is his phone number and is yeah. where you can find him on Instagram and other places. And then his email. And you can take a screenshot of that, I guess. And then yeah. there's mine because I always need new friends, too. And that's how you can get with me. So, Dave, do you have you want to share an embarrassing story? 
Oh, my one, the one that always springs to mind. And it's just something that happened to me trying to be cool. Um, I was, I think I was 18 and I had this girlfriend or trying, working on her being a girlfriend. And I had this T-shirt she really liked. It was a Frankie Goes to Hollywood T-shirt and she really wanted it. And I wouldn't let her have it because it was mine. So I said, I'll tell you what, I'll take you up London and we'll go to HMV and I'll buy you that T-shirt. So we went up to London and we're on a London bus. Now, if you know the old London buses, the back corner is open. So you can like run, jump on the bus, sit down. The conductor comes, you pay your fare. As we're going up Oxford Street in London on a busy Saturday afternoon, I, me trying to be all cool, calm and collected. I just go, hey, we're nearly HMV. We don't have to wait for the bus stop. We can just jump off when the bus stops. So I go to the end to jump off. And as I go to leap off, just step off the bus, the bus pulls away. I spin, I hit the road and I roll in the road from the momentum of the bus pulling away, which then stopped about eight feet because the traffic stopped again. And I, there am I laying in, in the road in Oxford Street in London on a busy Saturday afternoon, no longer looking cool, looking up at a girl who does not want to be within 100 miles of me or look or want to be like she's anything like a girlfriend. And she didn't get off the bus and help me. She completely ignored what had happened. <laughs> and to this day, I can't go up Oxford Street and get to a certain part of London near the hundred club and not remember that story and just remember laying in the road, looking like an absolute chump. Oh, all right. So mine, I've never shared this with Dave. I'm maybe some of you have heard this. I don't know. It's kind of gross. I should probably hit stop, but maybe this will be the, um, (laughs) yeah, she wasn't the one for sure. Amy Lynn. Um, So you'll have to tell me if this is too much. My mom is probably already like, don't tell it. Don't tell it, Diane. So I was at Auburn and we had a cafeteria. This is where I went to college. And I was it was like in the in the winter and I was a little sick. Um, And have you ever like you have your hand, you have your tray. So there's like my meal and then and war eagle you might not want to claim me after this one and then i had my drink and everything and so i had i'd paid you know there's a little place to play pay you put your stuff down and then i'm walking out and then it's open and everybody can see i was uh in foy if you guys are the my auburn grads who are here um so i um i go and i can feel that i need to blow my nose and I blew the biggest snot bubble and I couldn't do anything. I just had <laughs> to just try to breathe it back in. It was like a bubblegum snot bubble. It was huge out of my nostril. So it was like I was just breathing, but I couldn't do anything else. It was it blew. I'm not kidding. It was this big. <laughs> so gross and I just was like breathing it back in trying to breathe it and it was in front of everyone it was snot bubble city so as if you know that's how I cuss I say shoot boogers or booger snot and that I'm not that's not why but that was it was super embarrassing because there was nothing I could do except drop my stuff and then more people would have probably looked at me um <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> anyway, it was so Dave on a scale of one ten ten being too gross to share, and one being oh it's fine. What would you say? My, about mine? mine could only have been worse if, as I was laying on the road, a snot bubble came out my face. But it wasn't like one that would pop. You know, like sometimes you make a snot. It was very well formed, and I couldn't. It wouldn't pop. It was so gross. Um, <laughs> but I just had to breathe it back in. And I, anyway, there wasn't room in my little nose for all the snot in there. What was the number? If you, if you were guessing on the grossness, should I share that one again? Oh, that was, that was a spinal tap 11. <laughs> <laughs> my mom will be later. She's like, you shouldn't have shared that with those people. Um <laughs> Anyway, it was funny. Um, but again, there's nothing out of it. It's just that we all do the gross things happen or things happen. You know, when we're I was just trying to get to my table, you know. Mm. Anyway, nobody wanted to be my boyfriend after that. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Dave, thank you. And just so you guys know, I so I'm going to take some of some of June and July off. Um, I'm announcing it here. Um, I will announce it again. Uh, I'll probably send out an email this week, but I'm not going to do camp this year because I just really feel called to take a break. And so, and I'm not taking a break, break from the podcast, but I'm just taking a break so that I can, um, not have that pressure of having to do something else. And it is 10 years. I've done the podcast every week for 10 years, starting next, next week. And so next week's going to be a rapid recharge which they're never rapid, but they're maybe not as long as me and Dave, um, but sometimes, but it's going to be about kind of what I've been learning and, and where I'm going with some growth. So I'm really excited. I'm nervous because I like to have things to do. It makes me feel good about myself to be busy. So it's really going to be hard of taking in, um, <laughs> taking taking that time for a break, but I'm, I'm going to work two days a week and then I'm going to do drawing and do some other art stuff the three days a week. And so anyway, I'm excited about taking a little bit of less time and I'm excited about sharing 10 years. That's so, amazing. 10 years. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it's, um, I'm really glad that I'm taking a break. Uh, some of my, uh, friends have said, yeah, we've been telling you for years to take a break. And I'm like, oh, you have? Like, I don't know if I ever heard that. I, I don't know. I guess I just kept going. So it, um, we'll see. I'm having to say no, which is another uncomfortable thing for me, but it's good. It's those times when I'm just passing it on to somebody else, which I think Dave and I both really believe that you should, you should be able to do. So yeah, um, I will see you next week. And if you're listening, you'll hear Paul's episode next, and then you'll hear that 10-year um, rapid recharge. And Ashley, who has been my right-hand man, woman, right, she's a woman, but, I, you know, the people don't say that as right-hand. Anyway, whatever. She's been my right hand. She's going to do a podcast episode with me sometime this summer. So that'll be one of the episodes that we do. And I'm very thankful for y'all just listening and coming. And Dave, thank you so much for doing this with me. I want to make sure that you guys know how to connect with Dave if you didn't get his stuff on the thing, but I'm going to put it right here. Um, yep. And it will also be underneath or right underneath. So you'll be able to click. And then if you wanted to hear part one, that one's also 
um, underneath as well. It's just, let's see if I you can, can message me. If there's anything you want to know, anything I've said or ask anything, um, just message me on any, any of the things. Email is probably easier. Um, but yeah, uh, you got my number. I'm on WhatsApp. And oh, WhatsApp Hannah says, WhatsApp unless it's in, unless it's in Lightroom. Don't, Lightroom. Don't yeah. Yeah. Me <laughs> um, yeah. I wanted to say as well, before I go, a couple of things. One, uh, he shoots, he draws podcast next Monday. Uh, my, ep- the episode is me and Debbie Claffer neural. So, um, this week is me, Glenn and Alan talking about gear and, and stuff. Um, yeah. So I've got Debbie next on the show. So I've got to f- just finished editing that. Um, if you're interested in anything that I do, check out Kelby1.com because I've just had a class come out. Um, which is basically showing how to use vector tools in Photoshop. They called it how to make logos in Photoshop, which has made every graphic designer go, no. So I lost about 50 points of credibility, but um, it's more to how to use vector tools in Photoshop. And you can make logos in Photoshop using the vector tools, just not pixels. Um, But if you wait until the 1st of June before, if you want to join for a month and check the stuff out and all the other classes, because I've got some stuff on there for InDesign and other Photoshop, um, you'll get the magazine and on the 1st of June, I've got a feature article in there, which is all about um, what my opinion It's like my feature article. It's how I approach things, but it's about my world in logo design and how I deal with logo requests and logo work and a little bit of history. And there's a quiz there as well. Um, so yeah, if you wait till 1st of June, you get the new magazine as well. So that's just an uh, extra couple of things. Is that the correct, um, the K-E-L-B-Y? O-N-E? O-N-E, yeah. Okay. Kelby1, all words, kelby1.com. Um, there's, there's, there's design and photography and, and Lightroom classes. Uh, I think it's like 10 bucks a month. But if you just join for the month, you can get access to the magazine and all the classes on there and everything. So you can have a, have a scooch around and see if anything um, floats your boat there. Right. And then and the Doc can learn about Lightroom. Yeah, there's tons of Lightroom stuff in there. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, we'll see you next week. Dave, thank you so much. And I'm so glad you're my friend. (laughs) Okay. Likewise. 